Hello, I'm Georgie Barrett. And I'm Alex Goldstein. And welcome to the Sleep Life podcast, the show from Simba designed to help you unlock your sleeping potential. Whether you have trouble getting your head down or are interested in boosting your performance, this podcast is all about realising that sleep is very much at the foundation of everything we do whilst we're awake. Um, firstly, Alex, I want to just say, why are we doing this podcast series? Why on earth is sleep so important? So, I mean, people know Simba as a mattress brand. We're known for having done lots of research for our products. But in doing that, we uncover loads of really fascinating and interesting information about our sleep lives. And look, we've all heard some really scary numbers in the press, like one in four of us isn't getting a good enough night's sleep. Um, We've even heard a number thrown out there that it's costing the economy £40 billion a year. Something seems to be getting in the middle of this incredibly natural process that we've been doing for thousands of years. And we think that's something worth talking about. So what we're going to do is in each episode, we're going to be diving into different areas. So we're going to be looking at things like sleep and relationships relationships and businesses, family and nutrition. And today we're going to be looking at how travel affects our sleep. Um, We've all experienced things like jet lag, but Alex, why does travel mess with our sleep so much? In short, what it does is confuse our inner biological clock. So we've got something known as the circadian rhythm. And if you're traveling long distances, crossing a lot of time zones, your body gets confused um, about things like light levels and doesn't really know how to manage production of hormones and neurotransmitters to actually tell us when to go to sleep. And it means that our circadian rhythm isn't lined up with what's also known as sleep pressure, which is another process that we have that tells us when we should be asleep. Okay, so we're going to go into the science of all this a little bit more later. We will. (laughs) Um, But joining us is a guy that travels a lot for work, here to provide us with some anecdotal evidence from Joel and Nish versus the world to ITV's I'm a Celebrity Extra Camp. Welcome to comedian and TV presenter Joel Domit. Hello, Joel. Hello, how How are you? I'm good. I've got to ask you, how did you sleep last night? Uh, Actually... Pretty good last night. Such a what a great question to ask someone when you first meet them. <laughs> I know. So I can lovely. see your lies actually just like trying oh. to trying to trying to remember what was what it's was so in store. Great. Last... It's usually when people meet people, they go, Oh, how are you? How was your day? And you went, How was your night? How was your night indeed? Actually slept really well last night. I'm generally quite a good sleeper. It's actually a great podcast for me to be doing right now because the last two weeks I've been sleeping very badly. Oh really? Why and, is that? Um, tell you what it is, it's very boring. If I don't stretch correctly after being at the gym, if mm. I don't roll out my back, then my back gives me problems. Oh, that's that's. So I just end up fidgeting a lot. But <laughs> if I make you can't sure can't quite that get I... into the comfortable position. Yes, yeah, the position. Oh, the it's all about the position. Okay, isn't tell, it? tell me, you, yeah, is there a particular? Are you a sort of a front sleeper, back sleeper? I'm a front sleeper. I immediately on your belly. go on my belly with my right hand on my forehead like I'm sort of a lady Saluting. in the, the 50s sort of <laughs> looking fainting, going, fainting yeah. is that underneath the pillow then uh, my right hand under the pillow because yeah. if I feel if I put it on top of the pillow it goes dead after a while right I like to spread myself as widely as possible. Legs legs sort of fully wide. Yeah. And yeah, I really sort of claim my space. <laughs> does it does your fiance mind? My fiance really is just she she's this is also the problem with it. I have to have my head facing left, which is away <laughs> from her. And it's no offense to her. She's a wonderful person. I love her dearly. But she I, sometimes I, I just I, I've we had this conversation the other day. We're about to move house and 
I was like saying, like, I really would love it if we could swap sides. Because then <laughs> that's I can... a big deal, though. You it's can't. You, you've really got to discuss that whether yeah. that's, that's allowed. So there was a Twitter thread this week where everyone was going nuts because somebody said they just swapped on occasion, like oh, they didn't no. have a side of the bed, that and person. they didn't know that this was pretty much insane. That person's killed people. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're absolutely killed people. Just are there any stats around belly sleep is the most rare sleepers? Is that right? Yes, and I think the most common yes. position is fetal position. <laughs> So most of us are just desperately trying to get back to being children, whereas uh, you've evolved to a whole new level. (laughs) You're uh, an elite, but you've got to remember to stretch. That's that's clearly what you've learned. It's very odd. You know, when you roll out after the gym and you have that rolling thing, you roll your back on it. Have to do that after the gym, otherwise I genuinely wake up every like 15 minutes. It's good that you've made the connection, though, between the two, because I think sometimes people don't. uh, Yeah. And then think, oh, I wonder why I don't sleep. Once I figured that out, it's like, oh, my God, it's amazing. So we're talking about uh, sleep and travel. Do you take your roller with you when you're going abroad for work? Um, I do. I have a little one. A do little you? travel roller. <laughs> I was such a sad boy. You know, most most you would have thought most comedians and sort of touring sort of people would be like, oh, let's take some drugs and alcohol. I've just you get your a, little roller out. A little roller out and I don't drink. <laughs> so I just take lots of H2O and a roller. I mean, that sounds like, it sounds like you, you're quite good at this. Is, is there anything else that you have as your sort of uh, sleep essentials when you're away? When I, I'm sure we'll get into this later, but I, um, when I go to Australia, for, uh, I'm a celebrity. So I've been there three years in a row now because I did the show and then I've done the extra show twice. And first year, I didn't really have too much of a problem. This this year, just gone, I really had a problem sleeping. It's really difficult because when you arrive, you sort of slightly, slowly sort of slide into Australian time because you're there for a week before the show starts. And then the show starts and you're back on English time. So you've kind of got to slide into you You accidentally slide into Australia and then you've got to go straight back into it and present a live show for 21 days running. So your schedule when you're on the show, you're up all night Australia time. Yes. Well, I wake up about 10 o'clock in the evening. Right. So I go to sleep about sort of two or three in the afternoon. And then I yeah wake up at 10 in the evening and then... We work right the way through till about sort of eleven o'clock in the morning, and then um, and then I yeah try and go to sleep. At that sounds finish. utterly exhausting, it's, is it? Yeah, it really is. Like people think that we're just having the best time, which we are having a great time, but it's uh, it's like a it's a weird. You don't get to experience a full Australian day which is a good thing because I'd be very sunburnt all you need is half an hour and the Australian side and I am fully ready to go but it's uh, but then it's weird to sleep because as you said this may have something to do with the Arcadian rhythms I don't know what that is but the um, I have to put sort of pillows around the curtains to make sure there's no light because it's just so odd going to sleep in the daytime when your brain knows it's the daytime yeah you can Absolutely. you can actually get you can get special blinds can't you that, that you can take with you to yeah. tra- like travel blinds so you can get like blackout blinds and in some ways if you if light is a real issue blackout blinds are kind of more effective at blocking out than curtains which let light yeah. Kind of leak at the corners and so you don't have to create a kind of pillow, pillow I know, fort. I, I know some people um, do that if they have a little baby they take out a, like almost these mm. travel blinds yeah. that completely black it out but I mean if you add this to your roller I'm not sure what kind of vibe you're going to be <laughs> giving off on giving off on <laughs> security going through your bags right. like, do, do you find guy? those little face masks help at all they kind of weird out they weird out my head I feel like someone's yeah I can't wear stuff on my face I don't like them either my, no. my husband relies on one and I find it they, they feel claustrophobic but yeah. they do work for some people really really well I I also love this. I heard that you actually missed the rap show party yes. because because you're too knackered. Because that's the problem. It's like the rap party is, t- is at night 
it's kind of weird to me. There's so I then they expect you to get home at sort of eleven o'clock in the morning, and then you could go to sleep and then wake up and go to the party. But then it feels weird. So we kind of because it was the last show, we were like, I'll just have some drinks by the pool. <laughs> When we get back from work, which is like midday, you have some drinks by the pool, by which point then you're like, oh, it's the last day. We're having three drinks. And then yeah, I fell asleep and then slept through that the whole it. of the you party. Gonna... Yeah, I woke up at like three in the morning. I was like, oh, no, I've missed the rap party. <laughs> I've completely missed that. But um, it's a very weird month. It it's is a, a weird month. month. How does it impact your work? Because, you know, just from, from presenting stuff, you're always having to, you know, memorise stuff, repeat stuff to camera. Surely that makes it quite difficult. It's Once your body's into the rhythm of it, it's fine. But it just, that first week's really hard. So you just kind of, you know, it's live television is always difficult anyway. But it's... Uh, presenting a live show and I remember like just not sleeping on one of the maybe it was like the, th- the first three nights just couldn't sleep like oh, no. three nights in a row where I'd had like two hours sleep do you get anxiety not really but I just really found like I was just like ugh, I was just behind everything you know you just feel like you're one step as a comic you like to feel like you're sort of jumping on those moments and those punchlines and those things where I'd feel like I was about sort of half a second behind that it's the, the equivalent. Whenever I'm on a show with Jimmy Carr, right, he is so quick. I feel like we come up with the same stuff as you're a comic just, brain. You're just a minute later. But I'm like, honestly, like half a second behind him. And he's so good. He's so, so funny. And that he's so good at it because you just go, oh, I would have. That's what I thought of. He's so much. He's so ahead of the game. <laughs> But lack of sleep does really make an impact on things like that. It does. It does. So, I mean, a lot of people think about like the physical mm. ramifications, like you're sort of wandering around feeling tired and feeling knackered and, and yeah, you feel a little bit slower on the uptake and it kind of affects the output as well. So it affects your creative thinking, kind of affects how well you get along with other people. You're more likely to be more impatient, a bit more hostile. So, and particularly in a live environment where you've got to react to things coming in very quickly, the chances of you kind of perceiving them as as slightly more threatening, being a bit more defensive, are higher. So it it takes that extra bit of effort to kind of just does be the, normal. Do, does the crew ever get a bit snappy with each other? I just go, oh yeah, I'm I'm an absolute diva. Oh, I can see it in your oh, eyes. Oh my god, you should. I'm like Gemma Collins. <laughs> Me and Gemma Collins, the worst in the biz. That's what they say. It's what's a really interesting thing. Jim, I'm fascinated with Jim stuff. I'm fascinated with it all. I'm not necessarily the best at it, but I'm fascinated by it. And um, it's the the amount of athletes that it's how much they sleep is really important. Like if you really want to lift more, the the amount of sleep you have is so so much a part of that. Like it's is that true or is that? No, that's absolutely true. So Simba's an official sleep partner for Saracens. Mm. So we do a fair amount of stuff with the with the guys there about kind of their own sleep training, the amount that they sleep, and whether they nap and how they plan all of that. Uh, and what happens when they travel for matches and stuff they like that. They take their pillows with them when the they travel. They, they, they all wear their rollers, their blinds. Yeah. Um, they all wear sleep trackers as well, yeah. don't they? Really? So the actual the trainers and you know can actually evaluate and see if they're getting enough. Oh, that's good. And they can also follow them in case they're having the odd party. Exactly. What time <laughs> do you call oh, this? Yeah, Coming exactly. in at 3am? Um, so tell us a little bit about your other programme that you work on, Joel and Nish versus the world. You have to travel a lot for that as well. I yes? mean, it's insane. It, it, it is the world. It's literally it? the world. Um, <laughs> it's not versus Europe. It's amazing. We get to travel so far and wide. And the last series, we went to Japan twice um, in different different episodes didn't do them together went to argentina peru um tahiti and we've been to mongolia china 
it's just like so far and wide. It's amazing. And the things we get to do is insane. It's often you get to fly somewhere and then it's another day of travel once yeah, you fly yeah, to the country. Yeah, do, do they give you rest days at all? Not really. Again, it's another sort of budgetary thing in terms of television now. Yeah. It's like so tight. So it's like obviously a rest day would just cost a lot of money. And yeah. so we just kind of, there was, I think it was China when we... We'd done another episode beforehand and we flew straight there and we got there at two o'clock in the morning and then we had to be up for like six o'clock in the morning for filming. It was just like, we were like, like utterly sleep deprived. Yeah, and it's mad because you you get somewhere and then you're straight into a mad sort of exercise or... Do you find it hard to be funny in that moment? It is quite hard, actually. It's quite... Especially uh, if in your brain you just like... Humph, yeah, humph the whole yeah. time. That's what I always feel like. It's like um, <gasps> yeah, it's quite an odd thing, isn't it? You sort of try and sort of turn it on. And it's quite nice for me because I've got niche there. So if ever I'm not funny, I like to think that he picks it up and yeah, I'm the same. Bounce. But it's nice having someone else there when, you know, I did a 32-mile marathon in, in Mexico in the middle of the hills. Wow. And it was just like, oh my god, it was the worst. And uh, and we're often sleeping in these places that are it's mad to you. And this is what I find fascinating as well. What we're used to in terms of sleeping is is so luxurious compared to the rest of the world. And something you don't really think about. You assume kind of everyone. You Has assume everyone's sleeping on a simba mattress, just like you, you know. <laughs> but it's like you go to the, one of the first episodes we did was well, the Tarumara in uh, Mexico, for instance, and they're in the middle of nowhere, and they just live in these like tiny little huts, just like on the floor, and they're completely fine with that. It's amazing how the percentage of people we go and visit who live they just sleep on the floor wow. and they're completely fine with that. And they'll often just have like a little thing on the floor, like a sort of sleeping bag, or and. In Mongolia, we went to, uh, they sort of had these wonderful little sort of huts, which are not called yurts there. They're called something else, I can't remember. But they get annoyed that people call them yurts. Sure. <laughs> and so there it's very cold, so it's about keeping warm. It's not necessarily a be- about being comfortable, yeah. And then and then you turn up, roller. Your little, roller. Your little blinds. <laughs> Come on, you <laughs> black out these windows. Exactly, yes. <laughs> Alex, tell us a little bit about the science behind some of all this. Because there's lots of different stuff going on when we're travelling to different time zones. Yes. So essentially, in a normal day, when we're kind of going about our normal schedule, we've got two sleep processes going on at the same time. So one is just like the sometimes known as sleep pressure, which is just you're getting more and more tired through the day and you're releasing a neurotransmitter called adenosine. That's so that, going so on. So that builds up throughout the day. That's right. And it sort of reaches the peak after about 12, 16 hours. Yes, yeah, so like around sort of 9pm in a normal kind of cycle and then at the same time you've got the circadian rhythm which sounds very fancy but it's basically your body clock which runs around 24 hours maybe just a little bit longer Um, and that is really calibrated by exposure to light you know I'll be awake now and then as the light starts to dim it tells your brain to release melatonin which is a hormone that sort of starts to advise your body that you should be getting ready for sleep and you should be it's time to go to bed. And in an ideal world, you want that to hit its peak at the same time that the sleep pressure process hits its peak and then everything's great and you go to sleep and you have a great night's sleep. When you're travelling, yes. that's not happening. The circadian rhythm is completely out of whack. Your light exposure is completely all over the place because maybe you left while it was light and it's still light where you are and you've got to now get through another six hours before it's going to start getting dark again. And so that's where the processes start getting kind of misaligned. Say what was really fascinating was when I was in the jungle because they completely strip everything away. And so it's the best I've ever slept in my entire life. Oh, interesting. And I think the best I will ever sleep in my entire life. I find it really difficult. When the producers 
asked me whether I wanted to be on it, I said to them, that was like, the big thing I'm worried about is sleeping because I find it really difficult to sleep around people. I find it really difficult to sleep when uh, anyone is snoring. Like if I hear someone snoring in the distance, I find it really difficult. And Nish is a snorer, so I find it really hard to sleep. And we're often sort of bunked together in these little things as I have to take earplugs and things. But in the jungle, first of all, you've got no coffee, you've got no sugar in your diet, you you have no watches, and so you are. I feel like is it you're going, yes that rhythm is like the most circadian it, rhythm, yeah, circadian rhythm is calibrated to yeah, to just go with what's happening around you. It's so fascinating. I would literally like be in my hammock, I close my eyes, and I'd open them again. It was the morning, like oh, it was the wow. most insane amazing. sleep I've ever had for twenty one days. It was amazing. But you also, because as soon as the, the the light starts to go, because you're not having anything like coffee or anything to keep you awake, we would often just be all just asleep. And there was once I remember we all went to sleep. <laughs> we went to sleep. As soon as you eat, you're just like, you crash. Yeah. And the voice, this tannoy comes over, just like, just want to let you all guys know, it's really early. <laughs> <laughs> so we they were like, excuse me, we've got to get some content yes, out of you guys. That's exactly Stop it. Stop sleeping on the job and get back up again. Honestly, that is it. So, so much of their time just waking us up. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that you don't have there is you didn't have artificial light and you don't have screens. So mm. you're not looking into blue light for hours yes. after you would usually start to power down. Because that also impacts the amount of melatonin you're producing as well. So blue light, uh, which is a kind of part of the spectrum of light that you get from kind of like phones and screens and laptops and TVs, tends to interfere or slow down with that melatonin production. And I've I've had melatonin in a tablet form to help me sleep. Um, I think you can get it in America, but you can't get it here. Yeah, it's licensed here, so you can get it on prescription. Yeah. yeah. And it basically, it's. I feel like it's better than a sleeping tablet just because it makes you just feel a bit, doesn't make you whack you out as quickly. Is that is that true? Should I be taking it? Should I not be taking it? What's I the mean, vibes? Uh, obviously, it's one of those things where, you know, your doctor might advise you to take it in certain circumstances. The studies that people have looked at seem to indicate that it's most useful for dealing with jet lag. Yeah. Because it doesn't, the, the crucial thing with melatonin is it doesn't actually affect your quality of sleep mm. and it, it's not really the thing that makes you go to sleep it's the thing that sends the signals to your body to that it's time yes and so when you're out of whack with your normal schedule that could be really useful to just trigger that reaction in your body to go all right okay it's time now but if you're in a normal schedule and you're having trouble sleeping it may not Be actually help actually keep yeah. you asleep yeah but it is useful for, for for jet lag okay yeah that's when i've only ever yeah. used it before really is for that stuff um, have you have you got any other tips that you try and do to combat jet lag? You said you suffered from it when you went over to Australia. I was yeah, I was finding really really hard to sleep, and so I took melatonin and then um, just try and deal with it that way. Do you I try had, and exercise at all or anything? I, I had, yeah, I have to. Uh, that's something I have to just just your mental well being well being because <laughs> my life doesn't really involve a schedule. So if that sort of working out keeps me on a sort of slight routine but I do find it much easier to sleep if I've if I've done some sort of exercise I also found the uh, the headspace app I got that and yeah. that, that helped me through it quite well that, just those, to help you drift off yeah totally those are my sort of three three things if yeah. I'm really struggling then I'll always pop that that app on how do you sleep on flights are you quite good at doing I that? sleep amazing on flights do you yeah 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 yeah, yeah. So like jealous. really do like I love sleeping on flights is yeah. that is that is, is that something to do with the white noise is that 
I mean, some people find that white noise can be really good for getting sleep, particularly if you if you sleep somewhere where you, you're kind of prone to being interrupted by sudden noises. Mm. So maybe like traffic noises and things like that. White noise can just equalise stuff so that you don't hear the sort of peaks and troughs in noise. Oh, really? So, so, that, so it could, that yeah. could be helping you Could they have those off? like YouTube videos of that, that have like... ASMR. Uh, yeah, yes, exactly. They have like a, a hairdryer, like an hour of a hairdryer <laughs> noise or like a hoover. A go for like, yeah, it's so interesting, all that stuff. I actually know somebody who sleeps with a hairdryer on. Really? Yeah. They and will they, burn down their house. And they do. Oh, no, they don't actually burn it down. They go through hairdryers quite quickly, oh as you God. can imagine. Oh, my God. Yeah. Alex, are there any other sort of big tips for, for combating jet lag? So one of the, the kind of common themes that comes up um, across a lot of the advice is to start thinking about your destination timing. Now, obviously, that's quite tricky if you don't know you're traveling until a day or two before. But if you've got a bit of advance warning, you've booked a holiday, you know, the business trip is coming up in a month. If you can, if you have control of your schedule and you can start adjusting your bedtime slightly earlier from a couple of weeks out, yeah. that can help. I mean, I mean, that sounds an amb- ambitious oh, ask. Yeah, it's ambitious. Would you, would you, would you ever do that? I would absolutely. I, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow, so I've been. That's that would be. Oh, I'm just, I'm just on sleep trading for my new schedule <laughs> in two weeks' time. If you, if you, if anyone's listening to this and they're able to do that, I mean, that you are an incredible human. <laughs> so what an amazing! Imagine if you could be that organised. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to Japan in a couple of weeks. So I've got to go to bed early. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what, what are the rules about sort of changing a watch? Should you do it as soon as you get on the flight and yeah, then so be in the new time? That's a really good idea. So if you're yeah. on, if you're already thinking in terms of the landing, so you're on a really long flight, say you're on that flight to Japan and it's like 10, 12 hours and you're a couple of hours in, it's already bedtime in Japan. Just turn off the screens put like an eye mask on if you can cope with them mm. uh, earplugs in and just try and get a nap if you can because it'll just serve you so much better when you land yeah I think this is part of the problem now flights have such good entertainment I know and and you know free glass of wine yeah. Yeah. I sometimes have a lovely and also you know what's really nice is that you're not connected so yes. you actually have a bit of time off from sort of having to be on call for various yeah. people And off, but often now they're starting to have Wi-Fi and stuff mm-hmm. which is like I haven't I yet just... had a plane which actually had Wi-Fi that worked I'd I, even if I do have it, I, I quite like the idea of just being like, I'm on a flight. People know I'm on a flight. There's no info that's going to get to me. Just this, you know, proper zone out. It's great. Tweet something really terrible just before you just get before. on. And just before. Wait, wait <laughs> yeah, and see yeah, what yes. happens when you get to the other Terrible end. stuff. <laughs> What about eating and drinking on flights, Alex? So again, you probably want to think about the destination. So if you've had caffeine to wake up for a really early morning flight, but you know that when you're arriving, you're going to have to keep going for a bit, just try and sync up your caffeine intake so that you're not drinking it right when you, you know, you get off the plane. It's like, oh, I've got to go to bed now, but I've just had a coffee and I'm really wired. And the same thing with kind of sugar intake and all those kinds of things. Just try and regulate your meals a bit so that you're roughly in sync with where you're going. Should we just not drink caffeine? In general, the advice is try and stave off caffeine after 2 p.m. Okay, yeah. Because then you're giving yourself enough time to work out whatever you've had in the morning out of your system before it's actually time to power down. It's also genetics that plays a big role in how quickly you process caffeine. So you know how some people can just have a coffee and still go to sleep? Yeah. Italians, mainly. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Are you you quite sensitive to caffeine? uh, Yeah, uh, well, I was. I feel like I'm getting better at it now. But um, practice, yeah, practice <laughs> makes perfect. But um, yeah, I used to be like wired, super wired. I used to not be able to have a, a cup of coffee before I went on stage because, because I would it would just... make you. Yeah, it just it's mad. It doesn't even. It wouldn't 
the stuff would just come out of my mouth from straight from my eyes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I would like like wouldn't it wouldn't go through my brain and think of something funny to say before coming to my mouth. Honestly, I would just like look at stuff and I'd be like a lamp, a chair, a woman with glasses on. Oh look, a light, a light, a microphone. And I feel like what am I? I'm just saying everything that I say. This is the most unfunny thing I've ever done in my life. So in your case, maybe no caffeine. No caffeine, uh, no. Yeah. But you can have a tactical coffee if you if you jet lagged. Yeah, and, it, and in fact, if you know that you've got to stay awake for many, many hours at the other end and you haven't timed your landing and you think, oh, God, I'm going to have to try and power through a whole day on like four hours sleep, then I don't think anyone's going to grab the coffee out of your hand. Yeah. Speaking about when is it when's it good to land and when's it not good to land? Yes. Do you want to be landing when it's going in tonight or landing first thing in the morning? Question. That's a good question. That. So one of the, the studies that we looked at kind of around jet lag was there was one of British sports teams that was athletes and their kind of supporting team going from the UK to Australia for competition. So obviously their thing was like, you've got to be on your game. You've got to be really on top form when you land. And they looked at everything. They looked at health, uh, general health, physical fitness, because there was also people who weren't athletes, age, sex, all those things. And actually the crucial takeout was if you can really make that gap between landing and going to bed short, you will be better off the next day. Okay. okay. So if you arrive in the evening and you can just go straight to bed, you've timed it so that you're going to be pretty tired at that point, then the next day you're more likely to be on top of your game. So part of me, it's so fascinating because... Part of me really enjoys jet lag. Really? Like, I love it. Because, yeah, it's annoying when you're waking up at sort of five in the morning, four in the morning, really bolt upright. Because the jet lag awake is the it's most just, awake. It is, it is the most awake you've ever so been. awake. And I wake up so well. When I go to Australia for, like, comedy festivals and stuff, I was getting up at, like, five in the morning and just, like, bolt upright, so awake. And I would just get so much done in that, like, like three hours before everyone else was awake. It's more than I would ever do in a day back home. Like yeah, focused work yeah. whilst everyone else is asleep. I feel like I'm so much more focused when I'm jet lagged. I mean, there is some, there's, like, some scientific truth in that. So one of the people that we've spoken to at Zimber, one of the sleep specialists we spoke to is Alex Sujin Kim Pang, who's written a book about rest. And he talks about his schedule being like he's had to kind of train himself to be a morning person because he can do more in those three hours in the morning yeah. than he will ever be able to achieve for the rest of the day. And so he builds in naps later in the day so that he can create a structure where it's OK to be a morning person. You do have to go to bed a bit earlier as well. But that's you part sort of, of the have price. this focused <laughs> period of work, like yeah. golden hour of just pure concentration. And if you can milk that, then you get so much more done in your day. Clever, clever. The golden hour. Um, Alex, what about uh, sort of manipulating light when it comes to combating jet lag? Yeah, so genuinely, some studies have looked into like light therapy, which is where you use artificial light to make up what you can't see. So if you know that you haven't, you need to stay awake for a bit longer. You can use a lamp, or you know, if if you do have the opportunity to go outside and there's natural light, yes, that's the best thing. But if you can find like a full spectrum lamp or visor or something like that to expose yourself to to keep yourself awake and then manage to get into darker, dimmer, kind of a warmer environment. So that's when you want to switch to like yellow and red and amber hues. And mm. it, well, very mood lighting. I've actually <laughs> I've actually tried some of these fetching glasses on the Gadget Show yeah. where they're, they're lit- literally like sort of um, glasses that shine lights into your eyes. They look most bizarre. And it always feels a little bit like it's a fad and it's not going to do anything. But I feel like I haven't used it long enough to actually be able to say whether it works or not. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's, it's going to have such different effects in a really extreme situation like jet lag where you are just trying to adjust very rapidly to crossing several time zones at once than if you did it as on a general basis just first thing in the morning
morning. Gonna expose just, myself to some light. Just yeah. open the curtain. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. That's fine. That'll be the best light so, exposure you could get. Yeah. So when you arrive at destination, to actually just seek the sun and sort of be in it would, would genuinely make yeah. a bit if of a difference. If you need to stay awake, be in as much light as you can. And then when you know you need to power down, try and shut that out. Yeah. Do you find that you get more jet lagged if you're travelling somewhere like Japan, if you're travelling east or if you're travelling west? Yeah, which is the way I get really jet lagged. I get jet lagged if I come back from America. Yeah, so, so that's way. eastward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that is what most people find. Is that yeah. right, it, it's, it's a thing and it's, it's to do with it's so much easier to stay awake for a bit longer and mm. like miss your bedtime and go to bed a bit late than it is to bring the day shorter and be like, I'm not tired yet, but I have to yeah. go to bed right now. So when you travel east, you're kind of moving forward in time, effectively cutting your day short as opposed to like the other kind of time travel, which is a bit easier to deal with. What I'm discovering from talking about jet lag so much is that I absolutely love it. <laughs> it's, um, we haven't put you off it. Oh you're, you're, not wanting, you're not wanting to Here's fix how to it. create more jet lag. Exactly. We're, yeah. we're, we're trying to give you top tips on to get rid of jet lag. And I'm going to do just, the opposite. Just, exactly. Sleep deprivation is bad, <laughs> just to be clear. I'm going to spend my life on a plane. It's like that. The being awake in the morning is amazing from jet lag, but also, the sleep that you do get when you get that jet lag sleep and it's the deepest sleep you'll ever have in your life like that jet lag nap that you have and you're like I'm just going to have a, an, oh. an hour nap do you not feel so yeah. groggy oh, though and you, you just like it's so incredible because you wake up on the sofa and you're like oh where am I what year is it where am I who's the president like it's the most <laughs> insane deep sleep I love it it's so incredible do you find that you um, get more jet lag the older you you what in your thirties now, Joel? Thirty three, yeah. Older, you, mm, yeah. Mm, I know. Do you, yeah, do, you, so do you feel awesome. the effects a little bit more? I don't know. I don't feel like I get feel it more than I used to. Really, is it something that does get worse as you get older? Some studies seem to show that you kind of experience more sleep disturbance and you feel mm. a bit worse about jet lag as you get older. But again, that that athlete study did find that some of the older travellers were maybe better able to pace themselves. So I think if you're sensible about sleep and you know you've got your roller and your your blinds and all the rest <laughs> of it, if you if you do approach it as something that you prioritise, you may be able to kind of combat any kind of growing ill effects to some yeah. extent. So Joel's was speaking about having naps. Are, are naps suggested when, you, when you're jet lagged or just generally? Uh, sleep experts d- divide opinion on naps. Some really love them. Some caution against them. Some say you should do the whole sleep cycle of 90 minutes. Others are like, nope, 20 minute power nap. I think in general, as long as you don't nap too late in the day so that you eat into your kind of proper full on sleep time through the night then if if that's the best way to manage being able to sleep at the right times, then give it a try. Yeah. Do you ever get to do like sort of little siestas when you're, when you're filming or anything? I, do, I, I have the ability, even though actually on my Netflix special I said I can't sleep on flights just so I could talk about an anecdote about me not being able to sleep on a flight. But the, oh, do um, regale us with this anecdote. Well, basically I tell a whole story and about me not being able to sleep on a flight and everyone else being able to sleep and me climbing over the person next to me to get to the toilet. And uh, so, sort of. Do they wake up when you're sort of halfway through? That's essentially. Yeah, so I'm essentially over them, completely over them, whilst they wake up (laughs) and mid flight, and I'm just stood above them. Frozen. (laughs) Yeah, and I just go, shh, and then go sit back down. It's very weird. Um, But um, yeah, I I, I can sleep. I love love a good nap. My, My parents, when I was growing up, I used to have terrible problems sleeping, I couldn't sleep anywhere that was my bed. I couldn't sleep at friends' houses. And, oh, you're um, a delicate, yeah, delicate soul. A delicate little flower. And uh, and then I found sleeping on my front. And oh my <laughs> God. The um, Yeah, and so I couldn't, I couldn't sleep 
anywhere. And so they used to drive me around the block. They used to, I think, put me in the car and drive me around the block. And then um, then I'd be asleep in the car and then put me to bed. And so now if I'm in the back of a car, I'll just sleep. I'll just okay, sleep. so you're good. You're good at just, yeah. you can be on a commute, you can be driving somewhere. Yeah. You're that You're that annoying person. I'm that person asleep on the tube. Are you? Yeah. And so also, if I see anyone else asleep on a train and it's at this final destination, I feel like I'm a real good human being. Just going say? up and wake them up. By the way. By the way, it's <laughs> the final stop. And so I had one this week where I woke up this lady and, you know, I like to obviously do it in a delicate fashion. I don't want to sort of startle them. You don't, them, you don't want to be crouched over them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Frozen. Going, exactly. Shh. And uh, I woke her up and she, she like, went crazy. I was like, sorry, it's the last time. She was like, ah! ah! I was like, it's your last time. She was like, thank you so much. I'm so sorry I shouted at you. <laughs> uh, um, Alex, is there anything else that when it comes to being in a hotel room that's quite interesting about when you're travelling, about not being able to sleep properly? Because I certainly get this thing when I'm in a hotel room where I still sort of feel like slightly awake, like awake. I just don't sleep as deeply as when I'm in my own no, bed. No, you can get a sort of first night syndrome where your brain doesn't want to completely shut down because it's just like, where am I? What is this? Why is everything different? Why does everything sound different, smell different? So if you can find a way to kind of take some home comforts with you, be it a roller, a pillow, whatever it is, and kind of create an environment that feels comfortable, it will help. But I mean, Does, that, it, yeah. does it help just literally to tell your brain that it's okay yeah it's just that familiarity of routine because your brain really likes routine when it comes to sleep it likes going to bed at the same time and waking up at the same time which is why you get all this advice in the news going like don't try to make up sleep at weekends kids because actually your brain really likes just doing the same thing over and over again so if you can create an environment that feels familiar i think will help relax you you'll get less anxiety around going to sleep you'll be able to kind of turn off some of those things but it is normal everybody feels it the first night in a hotel room is odd yeah when you're traveling a lot do you sort of wake up and you actually don't know where you are yeah kind of i i just quite like sleeping in hotels i sleep quite well in hotels but i think it's just kind of because i'm a bit used to it i definitely spend at least one night a week in a hotel obviously when i'm touring and stuff it would be more like sort of four or five really and uh when I'm filming Joel and it's constantly for two months. So yeah. it's, uh, yeah, I feel like I'm quite used to it, really. And usually when I am, it's because I'm working and I'm tired from working, so I yeah. sleep pretty good. Do you have any routines when you get into your hotel room? I always take the duvet out of... Really? Um, yeah, just because I'm, I always find them too hot. That's what I always do when I go into a hotel First room. of all, I mean, you have to untuck the duvet, which but, takes yes, absolutely... It's so tightly You've tucked. You've got to touch that gross bit on top oh, as well. Why do they bother with a throw? <laughs> why do they it bother? It never gets washed, does oh, it? <laughs> take the throw. Don't bother with the throw. If I was, if anyone's listening who, who sets up hotels, don't firstly don't bother with the throw. Secondly, I want to plug by the bed. I want to plug by the bed. Like what? I'm not. Come on, it's 2019. I don't want to plug my phone in over by the the, the cupboard. But uh, it's good for the alarm because it just forces you to get out of bed. It does force you to get up. Also, can you please the breakfast? I'm not getting up for breakfast if it finishes at nine. <laughs> Like ten thirty minimum. Really, that's quite late. I do sleep because if I'm in a hotel, I don't want to get up for nine. Really? I have just, you not got things to do the next day? No, if I'm not jet lagged, I'm not getting up for nine. <laughs> <laughs> He's having a lion. So, would you say you're more you're more of a night owl? Yes, definitely. I work way better at night. Like when I wrote, when I wrote my book, I pretty much wrote the whole thing from the hours of. 11 o'clock till 3 in the morning, really. So that that is down to your circadian rhythm, isn't it? Um, that's, that's kind of down to your chronotype. So we, we, ha- we fall into certain patterns uh, which are seem to be genetically coded. 
which kind of align with where our circadian rhythm operates. So we get early risers who are kind of an hour ahead of everybody else, but also need to go to bed earlier. And then you get more night owl types who kind of go to bed that little bit later, get up that little bit later. And just, you know, as long as it's not affecting your work. In fact, if you have a job that allows you to kind of work around yeah. your chronotype, it's it's pretty perfect because you can really make the most of those times a day when you're really alert and then have a bit of downtime when you're not quite with it. I just, uh, yeah, being a I can't go out, obviously, late at night a lot. And so it's kind of perfect for me. So I've kind of allowed myself. I'm getting, I'm definitely more of a morning person than I used to be. I used to be, it'd be a completely sort of get up at sort of 10 and then enjoy the day. But now I'm sort of definitely becoming an earlier person. I find myself You're growing saying, up. I'm growing up. Honestly, I genuinely feel like I'm becoming my parents. I'm now, I hear myself saying to other people, like, get up, enjoy the most of the day. Are you on some kind of American chat show? Yes, exactly. <laughs> We're coming towards the end of the podcast now. So I want to ask you, what's your worst sleep habit? Have you got one? I really like having a drink of water before I go to bed and I always get up for, for the toilet. Yeah. Always. And I know it's a habit because I've managed to get myself out of that habit. And sometimes I go and I don't even need to... Get, not much comes out. And I'm like, why did I bother? Because <laughs> I stayed in bed. bed. Stay in bed. And in my house, it's like a one-bed flat with like a mezzanine with like a spiral staircase. So I have to go oh, no. down a spiral staircase oh, to go to the toilet. And every night, every night I go to the toilet and it's like big like clang, 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 clang. <laughs> I'm clang. sure your fiancé's delighted. Oh. And then it's like, you got to do turn on the light, do you not? Because, you know, you Try want to turn on the light. <laughs> Because then it really wakes you up. But yeah. then if I don't turn on a light, I piss everywhere. <laughs> and so it's like bad for both. I don't. Ba- yes. What I advise is maybe leave out the glass of water. You'll yes. probably make it through the night. I know. I really should try that. But I just, I'm so parched. <laughs> so parched. Um, and finally, what would you say is your biggest takeaway from learning about your sleep cycles I've, today? Uh, I've learnt that I absolutely love jet lag. <laughs> Absolutely love it. I'm I'm a better person on jet lag. I I sleep better and I'm awake more when I am awake. Brilliant. I'm more awake when I'm awake and I'm more asleep when I'm asleep. I'm so glad we we've made you have <laughs> made you have this realization. Joel, where can people find out about what you're up to next? Just on my website. So it's joeldomer.com on my Instagram, and uh, I'm doing various bits and bobs. So go on there. You, you'll be traveling around the world trying to encourage traveling jet lag. Around the world. Exactly. That's going to become my new mission. <laughs> well, uh, it sounds like you're already on it. Um, Joel, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you on the thank show. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really genuinely interesting. It's been really brilliant. Thank you so I'm, much. I'm off to have a nap. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sleep Life. Make sure you subscribe and we'd also love it if you could rate or review this episode. Now, we talk a lot in this podcast about things you can do to change your day-to-day behaviour or sleep environment, all of which are really important. But one of the easiest things you can do is just making sure you're sleeping in a bedroom that's really set up to help you sleep better. And that's what Simba is all about. You can check out Simba's award-winning hybrid mattress at simbasleep.com, where you'll also be able to find the rest of Simba's range designed to solve common sleep problems. We'll also drop any offers in the show notes, so keep an eye out for that. We'll be back in two weeks' time, but watch out for a special bonus episode dropping next week, a sleep story written by Claire Storrow designed specifically to help you doze off. Until then, sweet dreams.